Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Under a Gaslit Lamp and now excitingly sponsored by Manscaped. But we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. As the Euros have kicked off last Friday, all attention has now turned to international football and with some Villa players involved, we'll be picking up on some of the issues from the first few days. I'm Andy, welcome along and today I'm joined by Craig and Dan. Hi Andy, hi Dan, Uh, great to be back to discuss some Aston Villa related Euro stuff. Um, I am Craig Storrod at Craig Storrod on Twitter, Uh, looking forward to it, it's going to be an exciting show and uh, uh, Manscaped are on board which is absolutely wonderful. Hi gents, Uh, hi listener, Um, I can't wait to talk all things Euros, I feel like all I've done is watch European football the last three days, I'm footballed out, but I, I can't wait to talk about the Villa players involved and and everyone's shiny balls thanks to Manscaped. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, England opened their tournament um, with a 1-0 win against World Cup finalist Croatia at Wembley on Sunday. All Villa eyes were on the team sheet for news of our our two squad members, Um, and the team did did include Tyro Mings in a back four um, as he was chosen to deputise for the injured Harry Maguire. During the game, the defence looked comfortable throughout, due in no small part to Ming's um, strong and assured display. Um, he was identified for praise by, by several of the pundits and reporters after the game, as our man made his claim for a continued run in the team. Um, a proud day for, for Ming's, um, who I thought spoke excellently after the game as well. And us Villa fans um, who have supported him, you know, all the way really to the, to this point. How do you feel he performed, um, and can he keep hold of that that jersey ahead of uh, Maguire's return? Well, um, wonderful for Tyrone Rings. How did he perform? He was perfect, and I'll get back to that perfect point in a minute because it's really important with Tyrone Rings because. We expect him to be perfect. But for Tyrone Mings, that's three clean sheets in three games for England. Again, he was assured, as you said, bang on. He was solid. Um, And, you know, he's barking orders. He's marshalling the troops. And he is, as I think we've we've said, he's really a leader amongst men. You know, he steps up and he's, he's not got any problem balling out those more established internationals. His first ever appearance in a major finals, the first Villa player to be a uh, start for England in a European, uh, in, in the European championship since Gareth Southgate himself way back, way back when. So yeah, incredibly proud moment for Mings, incredibly proud moment for Aston Villa. Um, but I think that, um, you know, one of the disappointing things is that there were so many doubters and so many haters and we have spent ample time 
talking about Mings and defending him. And it's like there's this expectation that Mings just has to be perfect at all times. Like it's almost you get the impression that people are waiting for him to make a mistake so they can be like, ah, I told you so. Well, if you wait long enough, Mings will make a mistake. The same as Stones will, the same as Pickford will. I'd actually probably back those two to make a mistake before he will. But yeah, if you wait long enough, a footballer is going to make a mistake in a game. So I don't like this unrealistic standard that Mings has to, 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 to adhere to. And I think he did really, really well. And the other point I'd make about Mings is that um, I saw lots of Villa fans who have been critical of Mings jumping on the bandwagon to support him and being like, oh, well, why doesn't he play like that for Villa? Um, because he didn't give the ball away, he didn't take any risks. And I'm like, well, we've said this before, and when we're talking about Konza, you know, for, for long-time listeners, listeners, they'll know that Mings is the person who is asked to do the progressive passing for Aston Villa. He's asked to play risky balls. Villa play out from the back. They take risks. That's part of the strategy. For England, clearly Mings was asked to play five-yard balls to Trippier or into midfield or the occasional long ball down the channel for Sterling to run on to. So, of course, he didn't make any mistakes doing that because he's not asked to do anything particularly risky. He was asked, actually, ironically, to do the kind of passing that Konza is asked to do at Villa. And, yeah, it's pretty hard to muck that up, although obviously you can. So that's why he makes more mistakes for Villa, because he's asked to do more difficult things. Um, But I, I love Tyrone Mings. Well done. And as for the second part of your question, does he keep his place in the team? Yes, he keeps his place in the team. Um, I think it would be bad for morale. I think it would be bad image to drop Mings when he's done absolutely nothing wrong. So I'm not sure Maguire's going to be ready for Scotland, but I would expect Mings to start and I would hope for another clean sheet. Yeah, I think well put there, Craig. My man crush for, for Tyrone Mings grows every time he plays for Villa in England. And I think... On the weekend, he showed the rest of the country what he's been showing Villa fans week in and week out. It's commanding performance. It was great in the air, great on the ground. As Craig says, his passing was on point, even though he wasn't asked to do the kind of progressive stuff he does for for Villa. Although he did knock a few balls into the channels there too. Um, The one thing that interested me was everyone before the game was saying, well, he hasn't been tested at this level. He hasn't played in a major competition. Will he be up to the task? 90 minutes later, plus change, we found out he was up to the task. He phenomenal performance in what's a high-pressure situation and a hot game. And, yeah, he came through it. He was one of the best players on the pitch for me and I think really came into his own when Croatia had a few little spells where they were putting just a little bit of pressure on England. Nothing too dangerous, but he was there to shut the door on more than one occasion and prove that, you know, whether he's giving out mortgage advice or, or helping England keep clean sheets, he's one of the top guys in the country. Yeah, I think I think um, he spoke really well after the game as well and, you know, he was very humble, um, actually, which which I was impressed with, but of course you know it is this kind of turnaround and, and and like you say it's this almost this this shock that Tyrone Mings didn't make a mistake. Well, you know you don't you don't get to actually playing a defence that keeps fifteen clean sheets in a season um, by making lots of mistakes. He doesn't make lots of mistakes. He makes them now and again. Um, a quite high profile or reasonably cost, costly error but this is defense this is defenses isn't it and we've we've talked um last the last podcast um Craig you mentioned about about John Stones and and some of the mistakes he's made you know 
and and yeah, I'd agree that I think I think Stones is probably far more likely to 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 make an error than than Mings. But it's really about what what players do do. What, you know, their, what are their qualities? You know, and Mings's quality is his organisation. Again, during the entire game, he didn't shut up. You know, you bearing in mind this is this is the guy who's probably the the least experienced in the team, or you know. Or the, the, the almost the surprise pick, but he was he was organising, he was talking, continuously communicating with his midfielder and his fullback, and and John Stones as well. They looked like they were really comfortable playing together, um, as as well. And you can't argue with a clean sheet. And all right, Croatia didn't put put us under a, a great deal of pressure, but everything Mings had to do, he he did um, he did well um, with. With um, a, you know, a command and and uh, you know, a real sense of confidence and you know, it was just lovely to see and 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 to have Rio Ferdinand as well at half time and full time, you know, singing his praises was just um, was just a lovely thing. I thought um, you know, and, and and you know, that that's kind of put put the seal on it really. And I think he'll, I think he'll start against Scotland, um, and hopefully we'll see another performance like like that. I love the picture. Oh, sorry, I I just wanted to say a a very quick one. I just love the picture of uh, um, uh, of of Stones. You know, you talked about that relationship on the pitch, Andy. I love that picture of Stones leaping into uh, Mings's arms, and Stones is a big guy, and Mings is just is is an even bigger man, and he's just bear hugging this giant man, and they they're they're cuddling and they're they're so happy. Like you can see, the relationship is there. Like these guys are building a bond. I think that we have seen in terms of the the dynamic of this England squad. These these lads seem to really get along with each other. Obviously, there's there's big stories that have come out subsequently about the the so-called golden generation. They all sat apart. They were in uh, niches uh, or or cliques even. Uh, You know, Liverpool players over here, Manchester United players over here, and they didn't talk to each other. They weren't friendly with each other. The Chelsea players in another corner. Whereas these guys, uh, they seem to be able to put club rivalries aside and they seem really close to each other. And I think that augurs well for England moving forward in the tournament. Yeah, I was actually going to mention the same picture, Craig. I mean, it's phenomenal oh, just seeing him squeezing, <laughs> squeezing John Stones like he's a little rag doll. But I, and I think Andy, you mentioned his post-match interview. I think every bit of media I've seen with Tyron so far, he's come across as Tyron does as a great man who's incredibly well spoken. Seems like a great laugh. You'd love to go for a beer with him. And I think that is the kind of character that Southgate likes in his England team. Maybe less of the beer drinking, but more of the getting along with everyone. He's, you know, he's always cheering people up. He's, whether he's yelling instructions or encouraging people. And it's the kind of character you need around an England team, especially as the tournament drags on and, you know, you get to the nitty gritty end of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I mean, moving on, unfortunately, uh, our other star, Jack Grealish, um, didn't make the start in 11 <coughs> at the weekend and was... Was overlooked um, as, South, as Southgate made his substitutions. Also, um, the fact uh, Jack's name was was actually being sung by the England fans bef- before Sterling's goal probably suggests that um, he may have been about to come on. Um, but once England had the lead, the, the need for Jack Jack Grealish um, perhaps lessened, and, and other options were were considered more more appropriate at that point. Um, clearly, as Villa fans, we we believe Grealish should be playing, and 
and and and as did much of the media and and a lot of the fans, um, even the you know the non Villa fans really. Um, but was there a case for delaying his involvement, and and do you still see him making making an impact on this tournament? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to alienate a few Villa fans here, but I don't think he should have started against Croatia. I don't think it was his game. But what I did do as the game wore on was tweeting out like a budgie on amphetamines that he should come on and that Southgate <laughs> needed to bring him on. I mean, it's... And not to unlock a defence. This is the interesting thing I think the rest of the country doesn't see. When the game's tight and there's 10 minutes to go, Jack's the man you want to bring on. You give him the ball, he slows tempo down... He wins us free kicks. He's just that guy who... And we saw it a little bit towards the end of the game where we're sitting deep, we're, we're dropping into our shape and then we're pinging it long to a pacey guy trying to get him behind him. But when you got Jack in that team, you knock it to Jack, he runs it 5, 10 yards and he wins us a free kick and just breaks up the game, slows down the tempo. And I actually think it's another example of a game that I think Ollie Watkins would have been a great substitute to come on for us and just push that back line as we're holding on to a lead. Um... But I understand why Southgate didn't bring him on. Does he have a part to play in this tournament? Of course he does. I think um, there's an interesting comparison, actually, with Bobby Baggio at the 1990 World Cup. Supremely talented player. The whole of Italy was clamouring for him to start, but by the same token, he's a bit of a maverick, and, and they weren't sure if he should or not. Didn't start the first two games. Played the third game against Czechoslovakia, and the rest of it is history. And I don't know if there's a script written for Jack Grealish at this tournament. I can imagine it's a similar one to Bobby Baggio, just with a slightly better haircut this time round. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this this uh, uh, Roberto Baggio, yeah, oh my gosh, what a player. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for, for, for Jack Grealish, obviously we're all... Um, so invested in him. Um, you know, I've spoken before, you know, I, I grew up in, in, in and around Solihull. I went to school in Solihull, the same as Jack. You know, I also was um, very nearly Aston Villa captain. Um, no, that, that, <laughs> that last part. There's still time, Craig, that, still time. <laughs> I don't think there is. Uh, that, last, <laughs> that last part might not be true. Um, no, um, but so I think we all feel really close to Jack. You know, we've seen him grow up. You know, we've seen the... Um, you know, the early years that we, we've talked about in some detail where perhaps he didn't take his career um, as seriously as he might have. We've also seen the transformation, you know, moving in um, the, the fitness guy. What was his name? Ollie someone? Um, Ollie Stevenson, is it, at the club? Stevenson, yeah, moving yeah. that guy into his, his house, you know, hiring a, a personal nutritionist. You know, we've really seen Jack Grealish come full circle. So I believe that now we, we as Villa fans really believe that he deserves to be, you know, we deserve, he deserve, We want everyone to love him like we love him. We want Grealish to be loved, particularly by Southgate, like we love Grealish. And it seems like the rest of the country, uh, the rest of the England fans have, have mostly jumped on board and he has become a darling of, 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 of fans of, of opposition uh, clubs now in, in terms of England context. But it seems like, you know, Southgate is still loyal to Sterling. And I think that um, I was surprised. Um, I wasn't surprised, sorry, when Sterling started. I thought Sterling and Rashford was, would start. I was surprised that Rashford didn't start. But I think that Sterling, um, personally, I don't think he had a good game. I, I think that people have, um, I think he scored a goal and I think he did some bright things. But I think overall he wasn't having a great game. He miscontrolled a, 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 you know, a bunch of balls. And I think it summed it up. I think just before he scored, there was a long diagonal sent over to uh, Sterling. He miscontrolled it. It went under his foot and went out for a throwing. And the fans started jeering 
him, which wasn't very nice, England fans. And then they started the super, super Jack uh, chants came through. And just then you thought, okay, Grealish was warming up. He's about to come on. And then I think 30 seconds later, within a minute, certainly, goal 1-0. And obviously everything changes. So... Yes, we do believe as Villa fans that Grealish should be playing, but I think that he has to bide his time. I think that Sterling is in there on 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 merit, you know, to a certain extent. Although Sterling has been out of form this season, Sterling is now in possession of the of, of the of the shirt. But what I would say is um, Phil Foden, other than one shot which hit the post, was completely anonymous. So um, whether or not. Foden retains his place for the Scotland game will be interesting. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think do you see do you see Foden being dropped after that performance because it, it wasn't good? One thing I'd note is, and it's interesting you mentioned Sterling. I don't think Jack is completing competing with Sterling for a place in that side. I think the roadblock to Jack getting a place in that side is actually Harry Kane, and I'm not talking about Jack playing up top, but Kane's newfound habit of dropping deep and linking play means that he's a wonderful goal scorer but we don't have that out and out striker stretching the line so you need another player out wide who's going to do that a pacey guy a Rashford or a Sterling who's going to run in behind and almost be that striker but out on the wing and the problem I think if you play Jack and Foden is they're going to be looking to occupy the same space that that Kane is and you don't have a goal threat there so I think that's it's an interesting one tactically because I think that yeah, I think Mount and Foden and Kane are the guys stopping Jack getting in the team, not Sterling or Rashford or whoever is the pacey guy on the wing. One one thing I would say, though, and I, I think maybe Jack deserves a spot against Scotland over Foden, but I think Southgate strikes me as a manager who's very much a horses-for-courses kind of guy. He he picked a team against Croatia, right-footed, left-back included, that was specifically designed to beat Croatia. Against them in the World Cup semi-final, they passed us off the park, dominated central midfield. This time round, we made World Cup finalists look ordinary. And I think that's because Southgate's a smart tactical manager and he picked the team to go out against Croatia. Will he pick the same team to go against Scotland? I don't think so. I think we'll see one of the left-backs in and I think it might be a chance for Jack to come in the team. Um, But yeah, I think tactically we're going to see many different shapes of England in this tournament. And I think Jack fits into one or two of those but not this specific one and definitely not when we need a goal scorer on the wings that's that's interesting actually because i think i think a, a sign a bit of a clue for for friday's team selection may be the fact that they held jack back they could have easily put him on with 10 minutes to go you know to to kind of hang on to the ball and 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 like you say um you know win a few fouls run the clock down that sort of thing but you obviously you know, you back the players on the field to be able to do that and to be able to see the game out. And I wonder if you're almost holding Jack back. He's had, he has, we have to remember, he has had a serious injury not so long ago and he's played two, two of the, the two friendlies. You know, this is a, this is a, like a stress injury that he has, isn't it? It's not a, you know, it's not a, um, a thing that can repair as such. They have to manage it. And I wonder if just by not giving him 10, 15 minutes on Sunday in that heat as well means that he's 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 extra fresh for, for, for Scotland on Friday. And maybe that's that's part of the thinking, you know, and it's not just about we'll give him 10 minutes or give him, you know, it's actually about no, how can we how can we keep him fresh? How can we keep him, you know, at his at his at his top level? Or get him closer to his top level 
for the for the big games that where where we're going to need him. And uh, maybe it was a signpost to that. And and actually, you know, he he will he will start on 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 Friday and. Uh, uh, Villa Twitter will be happy. Well, again, you you did maybe. say horses for courses there, um, actually, which which is which is bang on because I think uh, we're going to talk about Scotland in a minute. But um, you know, Scotland's main threat, at least to, in, in the, the fixture that they lost uh, to the Czech Republic, was Robertson. Everything that Scotland did that was good came down that left side. So you would think now, you know, I I, I wouldn't put it past Southgate to play two right backs to play Walker and have Reese James on right midfield to cover Robertson off in which case um in which case Jack Grealish is struggling to get into the team or maybe Mason Mount as he works very hard off the ball is someone who might be moved to the right and maybe Jack gets that number 10 position but I do think um there should be changes I and um also Trippier on the left by the way this is People are saying, oh, Southgate vindicated, Southgate vindicated. No. The amount of times no, the moves it, it, broke down it didn't work. on the left because Trippier had to come in and he's come, he's turning inside into traffic because he's got no left foot. So the amount of times that it was just kind of Ming's Trippier, Ming's Trippier, because Trippier could not progress the ball, it was was, was silly. Um, I'm, I've got off the beaten track, but I would like to see Chilwell. I think that uh, against Scotland, we can get at them. And I think if we cover off Robertson, then um, that is really the majority of um, of Scotland's threat. I don't know what's going on with the lad from Arsenal. Um, uh, ooh, Tierney. Tierney. He seems to be another one made of glass. Uh, he wasn't there today, so I don't know if he's he's another very good player. But goodness me, he can't stay fit. He's like a uh, cross between Daniel Sturridge and um, Jack Wilshere. He's, he seems injured every five minutes. Um, but we'll see. I would love to see Jack. Um, I would love to see Jack involved. But I hope that Jack keeps his composure. I hope he doesn't walk around the camp with a boo boo face. Uh, and I hope he he stays upbeat and stays positive. I'm sure he will, uh, because I do believe, like you boys believe, his moment will come, and it could come sooner than later. I mean, the other thing we know about Scotland is that they're weak from ludicrous chips from the halfway line from flare players, so we might as well load <laughs> up on flare players and just start trying to love the keeper. What a goal that was. What an absolute strike. But, but I mean, um, go, going back to, to Grealish and Southgate, I think there's this... This misconception about Southgate that he's got some sort of vendetta against Grealish, and I just, I just think that's absolutely absurd. I, I, that in my mind, that 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 just doesn't ring true at all. And I actually think, if anything, um, Southgate has, from what Jack says himself, Southgate has been proactive in 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 making sure Jack is aware of the things he needs to do. To, to be able to play in that in in his system, I uh, and Jack has gone away and done that. I slightly you know? disagree, and I I agree now. I don't think there is an issue now. I think bridges have been built, but I think that there was an issue. That the, there's rumours that Jack may have uh, had some issues in the under twenty ones. There's rumours that Jack may have had an issue with Ad Brufoid, who's very Ad Brufoid. What a joke of a guy he is. Anyway, um, that he may have had some issues with Boothroyd, and Southgate's a big mate of Boothroyd. So I do think, you know, the delay in calling up Jack Grealish. You know, we remember that was a real thing when Southgate was coming out with some nonsense. Oh, we can't pick Jack because he's in the championship. Mason Mount, welcome to the squad. Calvin Phillips, welcome to the 
the squad. Oh, yeah, he needs to play in the Premier League. Oh, he's playing in the Premier League. He's scoring in top bins at Old Trafford. Yeah, he needs to do it in Europe. He needs to do it well, in Europe. You know, he was making excuses, I do think. But I think that that has been spooled over. I think once he met Jack, and, and it goes back to the earlier point, Jack Grealish at 19-20 is, was a different beast to the Jack Grealish we have now so you know uh, they always you know people always say you only get one chance to make a first impression if you had met Jack Grealish when he was 19 20 21 22 even you may have got and and I'm speculating because I haven't met him at 21 or 25 but you may (laughs) have got a very different impression of the guy you have now who's a total pro There's, there's two there's two two possibilities the first possibility is that Southgate just doesn't think Grealish can do the job that he wants him to do in the England team, which is his prerogative as the manager. The second one is that he thinks he can and that he will make a huge impact on the tournament. But if we are going to make it to the later stages, he has to be fit and he has to be fresh. And 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 maybe just by missing this first game and easing him in maybe over the next couple of group games, because... Having won the first group game, we're more or less qualified. Easy, <laughs> easy, easy. It's coming home. Because you, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you see you see what I mean. It takes the pressure off. Whereas in other tournaments, we've drawn the first game or lost the first game, and then we're chasing that win. You know, and you have to throw everything at them, at, the, at them, and you get into an awful mess. Sure. You know, I feel there's a third thing at play here, maybe. And again, I'm just speculating. Southgate was obviously in and around the squad during the Gaza years, uh, and '96, obviously Gaza spectacular, but caused all kinds of problems off the pitch. And his lack of inclusion in '98 became the sideshow for the entire tournament. And when you have a player as prestigiously talented as Jack is, there's naturally going to be clamour to get him in the team. Fans want to be entertained. Fans want to see it. And I think that Southgate is very conscious of chemistry, very conscious of the media. We've seen that all the way leading up to the tournament, how conscious of that he is. And I think his reluctance to call Jack up originally might have been about that. He knew that by having Jack in the squad and not playing him, that would become the talking point. And, you know, sure enough, here we are. And if it hadn't been a win, that's what everyone would have been talking about. Um, But I do think, kind of similar to Andy's point, we saw in the final fixtures of this season when when Jack was injured and Southgate was at the Villa games, they spent half the match talking to each other, not talking about the game. And you don't do that if you don't like a player. So I think he was reluctant to call him up, not because of the player, but because of the sideshow that might have come with him. But I think he's seen what we see in Jack. And I I still believe I'm I'm a romantic at heart. I still believe Jack will get a a 30-minute cameo, steal the show and go on to play a player at a tournament and I'll believe in that right the way up until the last 30 minutes of the final when we're going to win it so well I was looking at that lad that uh, that uh, that and I, uh, I want I, I want to say McConnell but I don't think that's his name McConnell McDonnell um the guy at right back they had a uh, right wing back um he was uh, he was um uh, playing for Scotland today and um he was ropey I was I was licking my chops I was like let's get Grealish one-on-one with this lad he's in big trouble and uh, one of the th- point i wanted to make about Grealish, which is annoying me and maybe it's annoying you two as well or maybe i'm it's just me is that um i keep hearing about rashford and sterling well one of them has to play because pace 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 is great but it's also can be somewhat overrated. I mean, the, the, this fetish with pace is getting to be a little bit annoying for me. I mean, how quick is Harry Kane? 
and how effective is he? How quick was Aguero for the last 10 years and how effective is he? And I looked at the... Um, the World Cup final in 2010 in South Africa, because I actually attended that World Cup um, final. And um, the Spain midfield and forwards were Busquets, Xavi Alonso, Javi, Iniesta, Pedro, and David Villa. Villa. Not one of those guys would beat me in a 100-meter sprint, and I'm past my best. <laughs> so... <laughs> If you're good enough, you're quick enough. And also, Jack's quicker than people think. But I, I, but one thing that's been annoying me with the pundits, well, oh, pace, you know, you've got to have pace. You've got to have pace. You've got to have pace. Pace. No, you don't. If the players are good enough, you don't need anything because they'll make, they'll make, they'll make their moments count. It's about being in the right place, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And let's hope Jack is, uh, is in the right place on, on, on Friday night or, or indeed next Tuesday or indeed the following week and we'll, we'll see uh, I'm sure we'll see him at some point um, so let's let's relax uh, Jack Grealish is not someone with. I imagine having problems finding the right place on a Friday night well said okay well, our, our, our third Villa star um, to be in action so far is, is is our very own meatball man, John McGinn, who uh, lined up for Scotland today as they unfortunately lost their first tournament match that they've played since 1998 to the Czech Republic, 2-0 uh, at Hampden Park. McGinn was busy and energetic and in the, uh, in the midfield and, and Scotland, in truth, huffed and puffed their way through this match. Um, he certainly wasn't quite up to the the vintage McGinn standards um, that we that we we know and love, and and in truth, um, you know, it was quite an average display all round by Scotland, um, particularly in that in that final third. Um, however, if we know McGinn, it'll only make him more determined um, to come come down to London and, and make an impact at Wembley on Friday night. Yeah, he will be determined to put that right. Um, um, you know, Scotland uh, were up Schick's Creek today. <laughs> I, I couldn't help myself. That's, that's, that's if, two in 30 seconds. If one of the tabloids doesn't pick that up, I tell you what, I, I, I could, I, you know. Anyway, um, I'm, guys, I, I strap in because I'm about to go, um, I'm about to go from again here. Um, so I watched McGinn like a hawk today um, because I it was the first game I've really been able to watch him um, where he's not playing for Villa, where I don't have a particular emotional investment in the, the match as a whole. And I was watching Scotland and obviously the whole team struggled and um, other than Andy Robertson. And I'm thinking about Villa and I'm thinking about Villa signing the likes of Brendia. I'm thinking about Villa being linked with this uh, young man, Saar, uh, a number eight um, or a number six. I'm thinking of Villa being linked with James Ward-Prowse. And I'm thinking, is there smoke without fire here? Has McGinn reached his, the top of his, the top of his tree? Um, and I was hoping to see something from McGinn today to convince me that he had another level to go to. And I think I was just disappointed with him. I think he did, um, his highlight for me was he did the twirly kind of Zidane thing. Uh, that he does, where he does a turn, turned away from someone, and then there was a great break on. There's a pitch open, and he gives the ball away two minutes later. So I had a look at at um, McGinn's pass completion for this season with Villa. 
So his pass completion overall for the season sits at around 80%. To give you an idea of a couple of other central midfielders, Mason Mount, who plays a lot of risky balls, um, uh, 87%. And Dombele, again, plays in a similar position, a player I really like at Spurs, 86%. Those numbers can't be, and I know he brings more than numbers, um, but those numbers are not good. And McGinn actually said himself in an interview um, for, for Villa TV a few weeks ago after one of our defeats at the end of the season that we need to keep the ball better and he is he is someone that needs to improve his pass completion. I don't think McGinn looks after the ball well enough. I think those 80% pass completion stats tell us that and I do also think that um, for Friday Scotland need more from McGinn and dare I say next season Aston Villa need more from McGinn otherwise he's he's gonna he's gonna I don't even want to say it I'm not gonna say it no. you know where I'm going no, I'm, I'm, but 80% I'm pass completion is not good enough I'm not gonna say the sentence because I'm not ready to say it you can't be you can't be in a top six side and only be able to complete 80% of your passes, particularly from a deep-lying midfield position, um, as he's found himself in this year. It's just not good enough. He wasn't good enough today for Scotland. Um, you know, if we're doing a school report, must do better. I had a few of those in the day, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit harsh from again. I mean, I will die on a hill from again, but I, I kind of... It's hard to draw conclusions out of that Scottish performance. They, I only watched the highlights, but they created a lot of chances. I think 19, they just didn't put any of them away, which isn't McGinn's fault. Sure, he didn't have the best game of his life. No one in that team did. Um, can he do better? Of course he can. I mean, we're not a top six team yet, so he doesn't have the pass completion rate of a, a top six player yet. But I think he's the problem with, with McGinn is the role he's asked to play for Villa. He is asked to play a lot of those progressive balls forwards. And yes, so is Mason Mount, so is Ndombele, but they hold the ball a lot more than us. And and there's a certain amount of padding of your passing stats that go into to a Chelsea, for example, when you're holding onto the ball and building it up in a way that is a lot more patient than Villa do. But can he do better? Of course he can do better. Does he worry me against England? He really does, actually. I think that he offers a different threat than than Croatia did. He's that kind of third man who runs beyond a striker, and I think that the defensive midfield against Croatia didn't face that kind of threat. And I, I'm going to be interested to see how Declan Rice copes with him. I also worry there might be, and this is me making stuff completely up, so bear with me, I worry we're going to have a, a Rooney-Ronaldo moment between Mings and McGinn. I mean, during lockdown, I heard on more than, one, on more than one occasion them two, not at each other's throats, but yelling at each other on the pitch, as you do on a football pitch. I, I don't think there's any animosity between them, but I think they're both outspoken guys who like to have a go at each other. And I don't know, it's just a little part of me that worries that there'll be a little, whether with Jack, whether with Mings, there'll be a little moment, a Villa on Villa moment where there's a, you know, a, a Rooney, a Ronaldo wink or a, a Beckham outstretched leg kind of moment where we just look back on one of them as the full guy. And, and McGinn's the kind of guy I can imagine would wind you up on a football pitch. I mean, you know, and I, I just worry. And again, I'm a man who loves a narrative, so I'm probably dreaming this up in my head. But there's just a part of me that worries there's going to be a little head-to-head -head between Mings and, and McGinn on Friday, is it? And uh, as I say, I think he'll pose a different threat to England. I think they'll cope with it. But it's going to be a really interesting battle to see him running up against that defensive midfield. Yeah, I think I think McGinn would have taken today's performance um, quite personally. Um, he wasn't particularly good today 
I, 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 I'm glad you didn't say that that sentence, Craig. I have to say, um, because I'm, I would have had to switch, switch off and close it all down. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we, we, you know, there is a little bit. There's certainly a sense that whilst um, he has had some some excellent games this season for Villa, um, a lot of the time it's been it's been relatively average, maybe just a bit above average, but not the McGinn that we we know and love. And um, we put that maybe down to the fact that he was his first proper season in the Premier League. Um, you know, and he'd, he'd, he'd obviously had that injury, um, but 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 clearly, and and of course, the fact that he he seems to be the the player that gets moved around and played playing in lot, lots of different positions. He's not really found his home on the field as yet. So there is there is this um, this feeling. But in terms of Scotland, make no mistake. I mean, I, I listened to um, a really really good interview with 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 McGinn. Um, with Graham Hunter, um, the the Spanish reporter, Spanish. Yeah, I, I listened to that reporter. too. Very good, two yeah. two parter, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, it was and, good. Um, th- there's one thing that's for absolute sure. Sure, if you think how passionate he is about playing for Villa and how passionate he was about playing for Hibs before, it's nothing compared to how he feels about playing for Scotland. Um, and he he will be, as will many of them. They will come to Wembley with a real chip on the shoulder and a real sort of fire in their belly to to turn to turn England over and um I wouldn't be reading too much into today's performance the other thing about today's performance actually with Scotland was I looked at the um someone had tweeted the the xg um and not that I go too much on on it but it was over 2 it was around sort of the 2.3 I think or something like that um you know for a game that they lost uh you know, two nil. That that's that's a reasonably good sign that they're doing something right. Um, so, you know, I'm, I I'll reserve my judgment and perhaps until after the after the Scotland game. But but McGinn's going to be a big part of them, their tournament, whatever happens. And uh, and um, yeah, he's he's he's. I want to see him have a good game. I don't um, want to see him have a good game. Side. Well, yeah, I said I said last week a three-one England win um, with a John McGinn goal would would be happy. But actually, now I've decided that it's more important to me that England and Mings keep a clean sheet. Um, so sorry, John. Um, yeah, you, you would think that Scotland would do better. I think particularly if Tierney is back, he's a really important player for them. But I'm just going to double down on this. If you're if you if you've just landed on planet Earth and this is the first football game you watched and you watched that Scotland team. You would have Poor seen. Alien, if that's the first <laughs> game you watch when you land on planet Earth, you would have. Yeah, well, you'd have been. You'd have been disappointed. But if you if you saw Andy Robertson and you saw John McGinn, you would have said there is light years between these two players. There's light years between them, and that, considering that we know that we want to get, and this is probably really harsh and a little bit negative for me because I'm quite positive, I think, normally. But I'm just thinking about Villa trying to get to where Liverpool are. And I was just like, man, there's just, like, McGinn's nowhere near him. Nowhere near. Today, based on today, just today, everyone, just today, things can change. And, you know, cue cue McGinn banging in a hat-trick and England losing on Friday. The other thing I saw... And it's kind of worth remembering back to Peter Crouch and how on the international level, international referees weren't used to his 
baby giraffe-like physique and would often give free <laughs> kicks against him. I don't think international re- referees are, are prepared for John McGinn's backside. I saw one or two ones today where he you know, sticks it out and protects the ball, which would normally be a free kick in the Premier League and weren't given for him today. So I think you know, UEFA need to hold a, a seminar for international referees to show him what is and isn't a free kick when it comes to John McGinn's backside. The, the the meatball backside <laughs> seminar. I'd, I'd I'd be signing up for that if it's on Zoom. It, it was definitely. similar for Jack, don't you think? In the friendlies as well. Um, there was a, there was a bunch of times in in the friendlies um, uh, against Romania and Austria. I want to say um, where he went to ground, you know, and, and that's normally a foul in the Premier League. And the referee's like, nope. And yeah, the same thing happened with John McGinn today. So it'll be interesting to see if Grealish does get on the pitch on Friday, which we all hope he does. Whether he has to. Um, you know, do what lots of people have been calling him for to do for so long, and that's um, you know, stay on his feet a little more because they're just not giving the fouls away. I've actually liked the refereeing in this tournament. They seem to be letting a lot more go than normal, and it's been quite enjoyable. Yeah, and, and we will move on in a sec, but just just the uh, the, the VAR um, situation as well is 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 so oh, much yeah. better. Um, they don't mess about. They're not they're not drawing lines on the pitch. They're just looking at it and going, yay or nay. If you can't if you can't see it straight away, you can't you can't overturn it in my opinion, and 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 I'm pleased to see that that's happening um, in this tournament, and and hopefully that will be the case in the Premier League next season. Um, but of course, over on the other side of the world at the moment, we've got the Copa America um, started last night, and uh, Brazil kicked it off with a with a with a, a win, a three 0 win against uh, Venezuela. Um, we've got two players um, in this tournament. Um, Douglas Luiz, obviously for Brazil, he didn't make the match day squad. Um, surprisingly enough, uh, last night, and we've also got Emmy Martinez, who is likely to be involved, whether he starts or not. I'm not sure. Um, when Argentina take on Chile later, but speaking of Douglas Luiz, he's a he's a well groomed young man. Um, and you could be too, as you can now get 20% off and free delivery from our new sponsors, Manscaped, by heading to their website, manscaped.com, and using our code LAMP20. And here's Craig for more. Yes, thank you, Andy. Douglas Louise is a sensationally uh, well-manicured uh, individual, I'm quite sure. And we are going to take a minute to talk about your balls. That's right, balls. Uh us lads here at Gather Around the Lamp are delighted to announce officially we have a brand new sponsor by the name of Manscaped. So Manscaped.com are the premier, and I mean premier, organization for allowing your balls and your man area to be absolutely top-notch and smooth as you like. Over 2 million men worldwide cannot be wrong. And we're delighted to offer just for you, our loyal Gather Around the Lamp listeners, that you get a special 20% off deal and free worldwide shipping with the code LAMP20. That's LAMP20 at manscaped.com. So, We've been watching the Euros, all of us, the last few days. And if you want to avoid a kind of Marouane Fellaini or Carlos Valderrama-style bush in your midfield, then you can make sure that you clean up with, with, you can make sure you clean up with Manscaped, okay? So 
What do Manscaped offer? Manscaped have changed the grooming game with their Performance Package 3.0. So head to toe, this is the ultimate male hygiene bundle. The Performance Package 3.0 comes with the Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker, and formulations to round out your grooming routine, including ball deodorant. Yes, ball deodorant. England, they played on Sunday. It wasn't just warm, it was hot as balls. It was 30 degrees, pitch side, Wembley and London, which means if you were celebrating Raheem Sterling's goal, anything like we were, you would have worked up a little bit of a sweat, which is why you need to get yourself the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant from Manscaped. Yes, it's a real thing. Sweaty balls getting in the way of your love life? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Hmm? Hmm? Fear no more. You can make your man area smell nice and you can make it look nice by trimming any excess hair. Now, lots of people have been, you know, locked down together. Maybe you've been locked down with your girlfriend or your wife or your boyfriend or whatever. And maybe, maybe you've let yourself go a little bit. Maybe your man area has grown out of all proportion and it's making your meat and two veg look a little bit limp, a little bit small. You can create space in the box better than Jack Grealish by trimming some of those hairs. Get rid of them. It's going to make everything smell fresher. It's going to make everything feel fresher. And it's going to make everything look nicer. Maybe you're single and ready to mingle. Well, guess what? The world is opening back up. Dates are back on and you can get out there and get your stuff together with Manscaped. You can even look as clean and well-groomed as Aston Villa and Netherlands star Anwar El Golzi. Now, I don't imagine there is a hair out of place anywhere on that man's body. So remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code LAMP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code LAMP20 LAMP20 and hit the target and be sure to up your D this Euros with Manscaped. Good luck and happy summer hunting. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Craig. And um, yeah, like we say, head over and uh, and, and, and get your get your stuff from manscaped um but we need to move on now um to certainly more more serious matters away from villa and away from england um and we need to make mention of the awful scenes that we we witnessed in copenhagen on saturday as um during the the denmark versus finland match inter forward christian eriksen collapsed on the field and had to be resuscitated by medics um it later transpired that he had suffered a, a cardiac arrest on the field um and it was an incredibly worrying thing to witness um and the players and and the fans in stadium in the stadium were clearly uh you know extremely distressed as Ericsson fought for his life on the on the football pitch um thankfully um the news filtered out uh, later later that that well within about half an hour that Ericsson um, had regained consciousness and, and was in, in hospital and was stable. Obviously, everyone under a gaslit lamp sends their best wishes to Christian and his family and really hope that he can make a, a full recovery and, and maybe even get back to playing football because he's a wonderful, wonderful talent. 
um, a really worrying incident and, and, and another reminder of, of perhaps where football sits in the in the hierarchy of things in life. Yeah, I, I mean, what what a moment that was. I mean, it was just one of those ones where, where it felt like the world stopped and the air went out of you as you're watching those scenes unfold on TV. And, uh, you know, it felt for a moment there like tragedy was looming and, and you know, as I say, thoughts go out to Ericsson and his family. Uh, it was... You're right, it's one of those things we've been talking about the tournament, talking about our players. We come on air every week and we talk about football as, as if it's life, because it is to us, but realistically it isn't. And it's a timely reminder that it just doesn't matter. But one thing I do want to say beyond Ericsson is a little word for Simon Kerr, is I think the pronunciation, the Danish captain who who showed us what a man he is. I mean, what a leader, what a human being. He not only was there performing CPR on Ericsson at one point, I think he comforted his partner. He led the team back out after all of that, somehow back out onto the pitch. And I think him and Kasper Smeichel, who's also gone through a fair amount of tragedy in his short career so far, deserve huge, huge praise. We we spend so long worrying about how these players perform on the pitch. We should spend equal amounts of time talking about how they how they act off of it and what kind of people they are. But but I think you're right, Andy. It's it's a reminder that, that football doesn't matter. It's a nice distraction, but realistically, when when moments like that happen, it it, it just puts it all in its place again. Yeah, it does. I mean, um, what what a um, you know what a what a distressing you know time. What a distressing scene for everyone, and uh, really kudos to the um, the medical professionals who um, just were there you know on the spot and are able to deal with with um just to deal with with these things i mean you know it's just something i wouldn't know the first thing first thing about i think that um you know cpr and first aid courses are really really important i think that um you know we've seen through the last year in in the covid pandemic and we've seen across the world that our frontline our nhs workers shout out to one that might be on the call here. Um, our, our NHS workers, our frontline professionals, our doctors, our nurses, um, you know, they're so important. They're, they are lifesavers. They don't get the credit that they deserve and they don't necessarily get remunerated in the way that they should. But, um, you know, a big shout out to these guys because they they, they keep the, the, the world turning. I think it's ironic. We just had a conversation last week uh, about um, Tom Heaton and how um, precious you know, a footballer's career is. And we were talking about, you know, little did we know that save, that Chris Wood goal for Burnley was Tom Heaton's last appearance at Villa. And we talked about Luke, Luke Nillis and Wesley uh, being Ben Mead and how, you know, how a footballer's career is, is really finite. But we never think about someone's life being on the line. I mean, we've seen... Um, Unfortunately, former West Ham uh, star Mark Vivian Foe died a few years ago at the Confederations Cup. We saw uh, the scenes uh, with Fabrice Mwamba. Uh, Daily Blind, I think, was diagnosed uh, recently with an irregular heartbeat as well. Uh, and former Villa star David Ginola, um, you know, has been quite public on the fact that he he was dead for for nine minutes playing in a um, you know a testimonial game after he'd retired. And lots of us play football, you know, whether it's five or side or Sunday league, you know, we never we never go into it thinking we might not be coming home to our wives or our kids or our spouses or, or whatever. So it really does put everything into perspective. And um, I think that um, I think that we, um, you know, we, we can do better to 
celebrate um, celebrate our, our frontline workers and celebrate these men and women who go out and play for for our entertainment and um, and you know I just hope that everyone stays safe and 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 that we can enjoy the Euros. But um, you know, love to Christian Eriksen and I hope that he makes a full a recovery and and he goes on to live a full and, and complete life. One other thing, sorry Andy, but quickly before you jump in, shout out to the fans in the stadium who who not only had to experience that, but there were clips going round of the, the Finnish fans calling out Christian and the Danish fans answering Ericsson. And in these times, we've we have to do all this nonsense about players, uh, fans booing players taking the knee and, and, and the awfulness of a divided country that we experience all too often. It was a nice reminder that football can unify people and that, you know, really the human being is what matters at the end of it. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And I just wanted to to, to sort of um, echo and expand on that point about the, the first aid courses as well. I think it's been said a lot since this incident that people should... Um, go and get on a, a um a basic life support course or a CPR course um or whatever it's called um where you are where you learn you know how to how to attend to someone who's um in a in a in a cardiac arrest and and how to essentially prolong their life until support can get there that's because that's all you can do in those situations um you know I've done hundreds of these courses over my career and 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 they're very very easy they're very straightforward you don't have to be mega fit um you know you get to beat up a dummy for for a for a a bit and um no it's but it is really it's it's really good it's really it gives you that that sense of confidence that if you were in a situation whether you know this can be walking down the street someone could collapse you could be in in a in a in a in a car accident you could witness something um, you know, on a night out or anything like that, and um, you know, you might be the one there that that can help and 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 essentially save someone's someone's life um in the long run. So, um, just have a think about it. Go and have go and get on a course, and you know, if 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 they've been offering these courses at work and you've avoided it, don't avoid it. Get on it. It's um it's great, and you might feel a, a bit of a prune having to uh reenact this thing in front of in front of your assessor on the course but you know it's 30 seconds of 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 feeling a bit like that for um potentially being able to be in a position to uh to really really um well save someone's life so 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 you know um please please give it some consideration but we will move on to happier more optimistic um things and we'll be looking we're looking ahead of course to to Wembley on Friday night and we have discussed this a little bit but uh the old enemies go head to head um at Wembley um and of course Villa teammates collide as 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 McGinn's Scotland meet Mings and Jack Grealish's England I've hugely fond memories of, of this fixture in, in Euro 96 and I'm sure you guys do as well um and Scotland came so close to almost spoiling the host party only for Gaza in his his magic boots um, to take the win for England with what is probably still my my favourite goal of all time. Um, there have been comparisons, of course, made between um, Gaza and, and Jack Grealish 
Um, and I, I wrote a piece uh, last week about Grealish's interview and the, the comparisons with with Paul Gascoigne. Um, so really, you know, can this uh, the Brumtown Baggio, as we as he's been <laughs> christened, produce some some magic of his own, or, or will Southgate continue to 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 hold it hold out on him for this game? Um, I think that I think that. I my prediction is that that uh, they switch to the um, they switch formations actually, and I don't think Grealish starts. I think that um, I'd like him to. I may have said earlier that he should and will, but I may have changed my mind. Um, I'm just thinking about that threat down the left of Robertson. I'm thinking about um, maybe if um, if if uh, the Arsenal lad whose name I can't keep forgetting. Uh, <laughs> Tierney. Tierney. <laughs> ah. If Tierney is back as well, I think he might want Kyle Walker and Rhys James down that right-hand side, which I think would would mean you lose one of the attacking uh, uh, players. Obviously, Kane's going to start. Sterling's going to start. Mount's going to start. And then if you've got the two holders in the middle and you've got uh, uh, Chilwell in as well, I think it could be a 3-4-3 to negate to Andy Robertson. I think that, that Southgate, Andy, to go back to your early point, he is a horses for courses type manager. And the horse for this course could be to just shut down uh, Robertson, have Reese James just follow him around um, because he's their main threat. I do think that the volume is going to be turned up on Scotland. I think they're going to be much um, much hungrier than they were today, much more passionate than they were today, um, and also they're kind of playing for you know they're playing for their for their for their future in the tournament. So I expect a better Scotland, um, but I do expect Jack Grealish to make a performance at some point, and I do expect him to be absolutely majestic. He's going to be magical. I've been watching the Euros a bit like a bit like all of us have. Uh, I've been uh, sacrificing basically everything that I was supposed to be doing. Um, so if you are, if you're one of my clients and you're listening to this, um, sorry that I'm <laughs> late on deliveries and stuff. But hey, the Euros are the Euros, and um, no, um, I, I, I'll get the work done. I promise. Um, the um, the main thing is that we have to. We have to wait for him, but almost he's worth waiting for. Grealish is the... He can be the player of this tournament. He can take the world by storm. England fans still don't know how good this guy is because they haven't seen it fully yet. The fans in, in of, of Europe, the, the world is watching. The Brumtown Baggio is going to be in town at some point. And if it's not against Scotland, it will be against the uh, Czech Republic. But either way, he's ready to take this by storm. And, and, and Jack is Jack is the man. Uh, Rumour has it, they've said actually, uh, that he's been tearing up in training. So I think he's getting back to full fitness. And I'm, I'm really excited to see him. And um, yeah, I think Scotland won't be able to live with him. And, um, you know, he could be our match winner on Friday. I'm really excited for the game. I'm more excited for this game than I am the Croatia one. This is, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Um, McGinn, Mings uh, and uh, Jack all on the same pitch would be would be amazing. Um, you know, even though I just spent 10 minutes burying McGinn, I do still love him. <laughs> and he needs to improve, but I still love him. I think he'll be, he'll, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm gibbering. It's, I'm excited. <laughs> I, the Baggio comparison is an interesting one. They drew the parallels to 1990 earlier. I don't think Jack starts, even though I think it's a game for him. I'm just not sure Foden did enough to 
to lose his place. And I'm not sure that Southgate will be bold enough to move Mount back a slot into the, that holding midfield and push Jack forwards. Even though I think against Scotland we can do. I don't think they offer that much of a threat. Um, but as I said before, the script's written for him this tournament. I think we, we beat Scotland. He's got a free swing against the Czechs and, and Jack comes in and, and does the job. I, I, I spent more often than I should have done in the game on Sunday looking at the bench to see if Jack was warming up and I suspect <laughs> I'll be doing the exact same thing on on Friday if there's a red button that's just Jack cam I'd have it on <laughs> who cares about the game just show me Grealish war- warming up but I mean the one thing you know that the the good things come to those who wait to plug a, a certain drinks brand it's you know the longer I have to wait for Jack to come on the pitch the more delightful it's going to be when he nutmegs someone dribbles around someone else and scores a, a world-class goal so it will happen we've just got to be patient yeah I think it, I think Scotland um will be the game. I think he will play. I've convinced myself that that was the reason he wasn't brought on on Sunday um, to keep him to keep him fresh. Southgate's got him in mind for for Friday night, and uh, yeah, I'm excited too. This is um, despite our continued restrictions in 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 England. I'm uh, I'm going to be in a in a pub um, with a couple of mates. Um, I've reserved a table. Oh. I will be socially distancing, and. Uh, I'll have a couple of beers and 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 hopefully um, we'll be just as happy as we were in '96. And uh, it'll be because of a a piece of magic by a by a a magician that um, that, that that gets us our win. Um, but getting on to Villa matters, we might as well talk about <laughs> uh, about the summer and um, <laughs> the Villa podcast and. Finally, um, Emmy Buendia. I say finally, very quickly. Emmy Buendia was formally confirmed as a Villa player last week, um, and attention has has quickly turned to to who's who comes next. Um, the James Ward Prowse rumor rumor won't go away at the moment, and uh, you know there was another um, a few days ago, another blast from the past link, as uh, rumors circulated that Josh King. Uh, maybe on Dean Smith's radar um, on a free transfer. Could, dare I ask, <laughs> could King be a viable option, and uh, particularly if he's, he's on a free? Or has he, has he missed his chance? Has that, that ship sailed now, do you think? Let me answer this succinctly. No. King is not a viable option. He's not good enough. I don't want him to come in on any kind of wages and clog up the pathway because he is, we have some really exciting forwards. Um, obviously the likes of Louis Barry, the likes of the two, uh, um, Chukwamenka is a kind of attacking midfielder, the Ramsey uh, brothers, uh, not to mention a certain Louis Bar- Barry and, uh, and, and young as well. So we have so many forward players coming through. We have uh, Wesley returning to fitness. Uh, we have Buendia now. We have El Ghazi. We have, uh, or El Golzi. We have, um, that, that, this must be a record. This is the longest time we haven't mentioned El Ghazi in a Villa podcast. <laughs> this is way towards the end. So we have all of these players to come in. Trezeguet will return hopefully sometime around Christmas, if not a little bit before. So we have so many forward players. I just don't think we need him. I don't think he's any better than what we have. He has had one decent season in his whole career in the Premier League. He didn't pull up any trees in the Championship. He didn't do anything at Everton. Um, I think that he is better off going to, you know, a Watford or a Norwich or someone like that. I don't think he is a player that a team pushing for the top six try to sign. Was that comp? Was that, was that, was that comp? Was that, that was pretty emphatic, wasn't it? 
I don't want yeah, him. I'm equally <laughs> emphatic. It's a big no from me. The only way I can see it as uh, makes sense is that we're giving Wesley every chance to be that second front man for us, and we're buying him as a free swing backup in case Wesley's fitness doesn't return. But even then, I'm not a big fan of it. So, yeah, short and simple from me. It's a big no. Yeah, I'd probably say no, although I, I do like the idea of, of, of signing another striker, but it has to be someone that's as good or better than, than Ollie Watkins, and Josh King certainly is not that. Um, if he's even a striker these days, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Um but um yeah, I think I think you've 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 both kind of nailed that one. Um so I've no, nothing to add. I would just say that having mentioned James Ward Prowse, this is still a a, uh, a signing that I would like to see because I I do think he improves us if he, if he joins. But just as you know, we we are desperate to hold on to Grealish and we we ridicule other clubs with their and other clubs fans with their um, overshores towards Grealish. I think we have to be careful with this one as well because Southampton certainly won't uh, necessarily see. Villa as a step up for for their captain and particularly as with Grealish he only signed a contract last summer so um you know I think I think we'll we'll wait to see I'm not I'm not convinced on the uh the truth of this one but um but we'll see the uh Ward Prowse I just had a quick look at his uh, past completion he's also in the 70 87% range so uh Super John McGinn you need to buck up your ideas son <laughs> after Friday after Friday let's be clear about that yeah. <laughs> yeah, so and uh, you know, we might as well just just have a quick uh, 5 minutes where, you know, we've we've all watched a lot of a lot of football over the last few days Has, have either of you seen anyone that that caught, that catches the eye here um that that maybe you'd like Dean, Dean Smith to have a have a closer look at. Yeah, I got two words for you, Breel and Bolo. He was phenomenal against Wales. He's he's one of those players who's been on the lips of of any European football watchers for a few seasons now as the next big thing. And he's he's bounced around Germany a bit. But I think we really saw him coming of age against Wales and, and maybe this is gonna be his tournament. I mean he was he was a handful. He was quick with a ball at his feet, he was running in behind, he was strong, good in the air, everything you want from a striker, and he can play wide too. Um as I say, he, he's been kind of those wonder kids that's been talked around for years. He's been a, a football manager bargain for, for many a season. And I think if we're looking for a backup striker, he could be could be the man. Although I always think it's dodgy buying a player off the back of a tournament. But he's he's the name I've seen so far that's, that's stood out for me. It is it is it is dodgy buying a player. Yeah, it is dodgy. We, we can call it the Carol Baborski rule. Um <laughs> Yeah, signing a signing a player or what? What was that lad? The uh, Brazilian lad was it? Uh, was it Cleberson? Man United oh, signed yeah, after Cleberson. the World Cup. Yeah, wow, absolutely terrible. Anyway, um, yeah, signing players after a tournament always tricky. I think Embolo is one of those players that actually there could be value there because he is like this wonder kid. He's he's not a wonder kid anymore. He's twenty four, and it's time for him to really you know step up or not step up. I see that he's only managed. Six goals this season in 41 appearances, which isn't, 
isn't good, obviously, but um, but he definitely looked like the real deal against uh, Wales. Um, let's see how he does for the rest of the tournament, and maybe he is finally coming of age. Um, but the player, I think, uh, lots and I wasn't the only one. The player that looked really good is um, a player that looked re- really good from my perspective was R uh, R B um, Leipzig's uh, uh, um, uh, Marcel Sabitzer who was playing yeah. for um, Australia the other day. He looked really, you know, he looked really free. He looked really creative, um, 27 years of age. Um, you know, lots of lots of fans from, from clubs, uh, rumoured interest there from, from Tottenham and Arsenal. And we know that we've already got the beating of Arsenal in the transfer market. Maybe <laughs> we can give Tottenham a, a black eye as well on our on our road to redemption here. Um, so we'll see. The, the, the Red Bull clubs are no mugs. They tend to scout very well. They tend to have a really really good uh, talent pool so um that could be one but 27 probably not this is probably going to be one of his last big moves may not be a lot of resale value but um certainly someone to 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 that's that's caught my eye and actually as well the lad from the lad yesterday from uh from holland the right winger what was his name Oh, Dom Fries, the right back, goal. was fa- fantastic. Yeah, 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 really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Dutch are blessed with great, great fullbacks. I think it's yeah, he uh, was good. Window or something on the left who came on is another top draw, top draw yeah. fullback. Not that we need a right back, as uh, quoted expert Craig will tell you, Freddie Gilbert <laughs> is ready to step into to that second berth in the team. <laughs> yeah, shout out he to thisisfootball.com. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the name check. <laughs> I would just like to give. I would just like to hand out the uh, the Tamori Ketsbaya for the angriest goal celebration oh. award to Marko Anatovic. <laughs> what was going I mean, on? He's obviously he's obviously not a happy man. But I don't think I don't think he's ever been a happy man, has he? And um, you know maybe that's part of what makes him uh, who he is. But uh, yeah, incredible scenes scoring it, and it wasn't even the winner, which is <laughs> amazing. Um, but that's all. That's all we've got time for today. Um, thanks for joining me, guys, for for that for that uh, discussion, um, and thanks to the listeners for, for for sticking with us during the summer. We're going to continue to try and bring you a weekly podcast, and uh, obviously, it's it's now in association with with Manscaped, where you can get twenty percent off and free delivery um, on all your items. Uh, just head to manscaped.com and use the code lamp 20 um for that offer um but thanks everyone see you next week enjoy the football and up the villa